High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 213 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Bagley. And Andy, it took 213 episodes uh, to get to this point. The Easter egg that I have leads right into what we're going to talk about. Brandon Belt's batting average. He'll finish the season with a 213 batting average. And we are here to talk about Brandon Belt. <laughs> and we are here to talk about Brandon Belt, among other topics. Wow. Well, we know that Brandon Belt is the on-base guy. And so we really are looking at his on-base percentage, which, ooh, that's not so good either. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll talk about Brandon Belt. I got to spend a little time with him after he finished with, you know, other people that were more important than me, like Dave Fleming and, and Krug and Kipe. And so I, I said, he's in the broadcast booth. I'm going to ambush that guy. So I was able to talk to him as well and uh, and ask him a few pointy, pointy questions uh, that he was very happy to answer. So, yeah, let's get into it. That's good journalism. Like you saw that he was in the booth and you you staked him out. I mean, I, it's kind of a learned art. We have this guy named Barry Bonds, and he's uh, he's not <laughs> off, often available to the media. But you look up and you'll see he's in the broadcast booth every once in a while. And oh, I, there's something I really need to ask him. And so uh, yeah, there have been many times, especially with Barry, where there's been you know half a dozen of us just camped out outside the broadcast booth, just waiting for him to come out. Uh, but I was the only person who grabbed a notebook and, and went up from the second level to the third level. So I was a little surprised nobody else uh, followed me. But um, but yeah, it's. Uh, Brandon Belt is feeling great. He says he used the word amazing to describe how his knee is feeling, which 10 days out of surgery was not what he expected to be saying. So um, good for him. I mean, that's that's certainly a, a very uh, optimistic uh, outlook. It is just such a funny spot that the Giants are in. Uh, because if Brandon Belt, if his name were Doug uh, uh, Fervin, and he were on the Rays right now, and he were a pending free agent. He was going to be 35, and he had these two excellent seasons the years before, and it was a down year, but now he's healthy, and that's going to change everything. You would think the Giants might be interested, and you could think that Giants fans would say, okay, I see where they're going with this. That might make sense. Uh, if it's Brandon Belt, though, there might be a little bit of a mutiny, and this almost this is beyond the Belt Wars. This is just the idea of running it back and bringing it back to the same team, and how could you possibly... I don't know if there's a reunion possible that would satisfy the fans, which is a weird spot to be in. It really is because you're talking about Wilmer Flores getting extended. You're talking about, well, you know, it makes sense to pick up Evan Longoria's option. Uh, you're talking about, you know, they've already been in contact with Jock Peterson's agent. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll quietly move spring training to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and, and not inform Tommy LaStella. Um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, but yeah, they're, they're basically going to run back a lot of these pieces off this roster. You've written about it. I've written about it. Uh, but, you know, and, and if you are in a situation where you're not counting on those guys to basically you know, be everyday players uh, or even be healthy all year, um, then, you know, then you, you, you build around them with other pieces. But at some point you're just using up a lot of the 40 man roster. And so I don't know if Brandon Belt and Jock Peterson becomes an either or situation, but I guess that that does sort of present an interesting little, um, 
uh, question. I mean, if if the choice is Jock Peterson or Brandon Belt for six million bucks next year, who do you want? That is a heck of a question because you have uh, Jock Peterson right now. Like, look, he slumped for a good two months. He was very, very unproductive. He still has an 863 OPS. Uh, his defense is playable in the, the loosest sense, but he's a, he's a productive player this year. He's been a boon for the Giants offense overall. At the same time, Brandon Belt has a longer track record. He seems to know where the bathrooms are uh, around Oracle Park. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's a fan favorite in some corners. Uh, and <laughs> He's a fan favorite, asterisk. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I don't know because he, you think you could hide Brandon Belt a little bit more in the DH. You think he's almost like that Evan Longoria idea of, you know, you're not going to get 600 plate appearances. So you can build around 300 plate appearances where with jock, you might have to factor in, well, he's going to want 500 plate appearances. And it almost becomes an issue of opportunity cost. I think I would rather have belt um, because you get, you're not going to play him in the field, in the outfield and have him be awful where I think, you are forced to play jock in the outfield more than you want to just by virtue of him being on the roster. And I think that hurts his value a little bit more. I agree. I would take Brandon Belt over Jock Peterson, and I would do so because of the defense. I mean, Brandon Belt has not had a very good defensive year, and that's, I think, been totally a function of his lack of mobility, which is his knee. And he's not, you know, there are other free agents on the market like Jose Abreu. He's 36. Brandon Belt's, you know, thirty going to be 35 next year. So he's not ancient. Um, and I think that if his knee is, is better, then he's going to move better, and he's going to be a plus defender. You know, Jock Peterson will not be a plus defender anywhere. He'll be a minus defender. And and the, the, I think the number one thing that this team has to do is not let what happened to the defense happen to the defense again next year. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, 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 is, is Jock going to be a little closer to some more certainty with the with, you know, the production against right-handed pitching? Yeah, but I, I think I'd still take Brandon Bell. Yeah, it, to, for me, it's when you have Jock Peterson in uh, the the defensive alignment, that also has that uh, cascading effect where the center fielder has a better chance of not really being a center fielder or an ideal center fielder. You might, uh, Austin Slater, Micah Strumsky, they've done, they've had their ups and downs out there all uh, this year and they're fine, but if you have Jock Peterson, that is one less spot you can move Slater and Yastrzemski to in a corner, and it's one less opportunity for you to have a plus-plus defender in center fielder, whoever that might be. Whereas with Brandon Belt, if he's playing first, he's probably going to be doing okay. Like, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to be a plus defender ever again, but I do think this year was an outlier defensively, and I think it's easier for a, a 35-year-old to maintain his defensive uh, efficiency at first space than it might be in the outfield. So I I think that would be my play because there is a path to where Brandon Belt is on your roster and you have that D8 spot to to cycle through. Okay, this guy's got a, a, a knee injury that's not severe enough to put him on the IL, but we can hide him as, as a DH for now. That's really valuable to Gabe Kapler and the Giants overall. And I don't think Belt prevents that like Peterson does. Peterson's a guy you want in DH. And if there's a guy with a, a dinged up knee, it's okay, I guess we got to put Peterson in the outfield. That's a little trickier. Yep, totally agree, and uh, and obviously there's no way that you know Tommy Lastella works with uh, Peterson on the roster, so um, something's going to have to shake loose there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you could do this exercise with a lot of different pieces. You know, uh, you know, Wilmer Flores versus Evan Longoria. I think it's pretty obvious that they've already re-signed Flores, so they've made that choice. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe that's not even an even or. Maybe it's both of them. 
Um, and then obviously we'll have many, many free agents that we can go over as well. But boy, Dansby Swanson looks like he can hit an Oracle Park. So, you know, that that's a good name to file away. He is the perfect example of a free agent that scares the bejeepers out of me. Uh, just because of his offensive profile, you know, he's going to be 29 next year, which is fine. But re- really high strikeout rate, not the greatest walk rate. Like he's not a hacker, uh, but I just he just seems like that uh, the type of, the type of player that just hits that Aaron Rowan wall and there's no coming back from it. Whether he's 31, 32, uh, Marcus Simeon was a similar kind of player for me good player very good player excellent player deserves the money that they got but there's just something in their approach that i don't think ages especially well um, i thought the same about hunter penson he ended up having a, a fantastic season toward the end of his career so what do i know but that's he's one of those players where oh i'd, I'd rather talk trey turner but i don't think the dodgers will let it get to that you know um the one guy you brought up in last year's free agent class uh, was nick castellanos and made that aaron rowan comparison and it was eerie how, how similar the numbers were. And now you look at Nick Castellanos this year, and he's got a 305 on base percentage and, you know, 13 homers in, you know, 499 at-bats. So it basically he has become uh, Aaron Rowan as a giant this year. Aaron Rowan had 13 homers and uh, 549 at-bats and, and a 339 on base in his first year as a giant, you know, which obviously he underwhelmed um, and then defensively wasn't as great toward the end too. But yeah, I, I think the the Aaron Rowan uh, warning chimes that you have in your head are 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 to be <laughs> are to be minded. Listen, listen to Grant's Rowan chimes. I should probably get. I, I don't want to pick on poor Aaron Rowan, who had a couple of fantastic years uh, in his career, and he had some good moments as a Giant. He's he was part of the scrum in center field uh, in Texas, and they fell down celebrating a championship. So uh, we're not here to besmirch Aaron Rowan, but. Uh, yeah, you know, and Javier Baez is another guy for me that just he does so many good things, so many fun things on the baseball diamond. And he's, he's an electric player, but I just don't see him being worth X amount of dollars when he's 32 uh, and he's having a miserable season, too. So those are the players that scare me But uh, where you get to a guy like Trey Turner or, or um, uh, Aaron Judge. I mean, you know, these are guys who are special, different. They have a chance to be special and different in five, six, seven seven years. Uh, that's if the Giants are going to spend, spend, spend on a premium free agent, it's got to be a guy who you can look and go, I can see this make and do in, in 2030. I think he, there's a chance. There's a chance. And you're going to get that with Bryce Harper. You're going to get that with Manny Machado. I don't think you're going to get it with too many guys though. And so I, I think you're going to cross a lot of these guys off the Giants list like Swanson. And are you going to get it with any first basemen that are going to be free agents? I mean, if they acquire an everyday first baseman, it's probably going to have to be by trade, will it not? Yeah, like I don't see there's a – I haven't looked in a couple of weeks, but I didn't see a huge path to, oh, well, that's that's who they're replacing Brandon Belt with. Uh, you know, that's, that's the guy, and it's going to make everything better. I just didn't see that. I'll, I'll vamp a little bit as I look it up, but it's Jose Abreu, uh, Anthony Rizzo can yeah. opt out. Uh, he probably won't. Eric, Josh Bell is the big name, I think. Uh, Eric, Eric Hosmer can opt out. You think he? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I'm looking at this and it's going to have to be a trade. It's going to have to be an internal option. I mean, you're seeing David VR play a lot at first base. Uh, Wilmer Flores can, can handle it and they might do a, a piecemeal approach. 
but Brandon Bell doesn't not make sense for this roster, which is why if he's Doug Fervin or whatever, like you would say, oh, yeah, yeah, the Giants should go after him. And then they can focus on Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon. And uh, because he's Brandon Bell, it's just so loaded with uh, all these other uh, imagined pieces of luggage. And I just I, I don't think that's fair, but I think it's what's going to happen. Yeah, I just it's it's going to be fascinating to see where uh, they have to acquire at least one everyday player. Do they not? I think so. Probably yes. one and probably two people who will be in the lineup as fixtures every single day. I think that that's something the fans want. That's something they have acknowledged that, you know, it's high time that they have a little bit more continuity in their lineup. And I don't see where positionally it can come from other than the outfield. If Brandon Crawford is an everyday player or close to it, you know, I guess, could it be a second baseman? They've got a lot of options at third. Obviously, Wilmer's going to play there a little bit and and, and VR could potentially play there. So I I think it's got to be in the outfield, right? Yeah, I think that's that's the spot that they're going to have to attack. And you look at what the Dodgers are doing better than the Giants. They have stars and you can make a lot of, okay, they're paying money for stars and they're getting star level production, which is true. But I'm more jealous of their ability to just every day. Here's Will Smith. Here's Freddie Freeman. Here's Trey Turner. Here's Mookie Betts. These are our players. We can swap in guys, Muncie, Turner, uh, around them, Gavin Lux, whatever. But we know these guys, left-hander, right-hander, seventh inning pitching change. These are the guys that we're going to ride with. And guess what? They're probably going to be better than your guys. That is what I'm most jealous about. And yeah, if the Giants can get an Aaron Judge, if they can get someone who is a, a Trey Turner, someone who is that kind of player, that would go a long way. And it would uh, for fan service too, Xander Bogart, someone like that. And not only that, I mean, you have a top five or six in your lineup like that. You can afford to have Cody Bellinger be out there and not care that he's not an MVP anymore <laughs> and that he just really, really catches a lot of baseballs in the outfield for you or have Max Muncy and basically get almost no- nothing out of him for, you know, a couple months and, and be like, okay, well, you know, he'll he'll figure it out. I mean, th- that's panic time for a lot of organizations and the, the Dodgers can have, you know, same thing with uh, with Chris Taylor. You know, he's having a miserable year and, uh, and, and, and they're still on a pace to win like 110 games. It's just crazy because Man. that the, the top five guys in that lineup are just dudes and and they're you know they cover up a lot of other flaws and and allow people who maybe are a little more one-dimensional or or who aren't able to contribute in one respect but can in another you can not only tolerate that but it it, it complements everything else you do from the pitching side if you have a really good defender there so um it all just sort of folds in on each other having you know a, a core of like four or five really good everyday position players i mean it's just so valuable it helps you in so many ways. And, you know, maybe Casey Schmidt will be one of those players. Maybe Marco Luciano will be one of those players. Maybe David Villar will be one of those players. Um, you know, he, he definitely has some Adam Duvall vibes for me. Um, but, uh, you know, it's they're going to have to get some from the outside world because um, I think that, you know, this is probably the year that they hoped they could have a wave of talent arriving and, and go out and spend uh, because they've got young talent uh, that's cheap at other positions and they'd really have a lot of financial flexibility. And, you know, that, that talent wave is a little bit delayed for reasons that maybe partially they could control and have to evaluate why and other other reasons uh, that are obvious, like the pandemic. So, um, but I think they're going to have to move forward anyway and, um, and, and make some, some big moves. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. 
With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. You saw it last year where the the Giants approach worked and it worked with uh, this mixing and matching where you have Darren Ruffin and he's combining with Lamont Wade Jr. to be uh, basically an all-star level first baseman. You've you've got all of this working out and in your favor, these mixing and matching uh, pairings are working perfectly, but all throughout you have Buster Posey performing like an MVP in there almost every day. You have Brandon Crawford performing uh, like an MVP uh, almost every day. You still had that with the Giants' piecemeal approach. Uh, and once that went away, now you don't have Buster Posey. Now you don't have Crawford performing uh, like an all-star or MVP candidate. That hurts. And then when the mixing and matching stops working, it that's where you get to the mess that the Giants are in now. So I don't know if it's a rebuke of the idea that you can platoon, platoon, uh, mix and match your way to success, but it definitely seems a little harder of a goal to reach than it did at the end of last year. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it obviously can work. It obviously did work. It worked fantastically well, better than anyone could have anticipated, but it doesn't always mean that that's the way you want to operate. I think, right. you know, it's like you, you use an opener because you don't have Max Scherzer sitting there ready to give you eight innings. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with you, you platoon because you're, you're getting the best out of, uh, you know, two players who, uh, collectively are better uh, and will get more production than than one would. But, you know, if one of those players is Mookie Betts, you don't need a partner So because you've got Mookie <laughs> Betts. So. Um, but anyway, I think, you know, to circle back to Brandon Belt, I think that for me, the takeaway is, you know, wow, great, good for him. He's feeling great. This is something that he was really concerned about. You know, it's his third operation on that knee. The second one he had in 2018 was really significant. Um, he They weren't sure exactly you know, what, um, whether the surgery would be something that would really address what was wrong and causing the inflammation. Uh, they got in there and, and, and they found the, the cartilage and they took it out. They gave him a PRP injection. He said he could have been off crushes on day three. So that's, mm. that's just good for him because he, he can, if, if he wants, the choice will be his whether to resume his career. And, you know, he told me that he's not going to sign a, a non-guaranteed contract. He wants a guaranteed contract someplace. It has to be worth his while to put his body through it for another year. I don't think he is dead set on playing if it doesn't make sense. Um, so, you know, the Giants will have to make a commitment to him and if they want him back. And uh, it doesn't mean that they have to uh, pay him, you know, on par with what his qualifying offer was, 18 plus million. But, you know, maybe six or eight million, probably something in that range is what I guess he'd be looking for. Just probably something that just shows him a little bit of respect at this stage. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, uh, I think uh, it'll be wait and see. And then and then the other guy they'll be waiting in, uh, waiting on is, is Carlos Rodon. Uh, and, and we you brought him up briefly. And, um, you know, had a really good start uh, to help win a series against the Braves. The Braves were not in cruise control mode at all. They've got a lot to play for. They're trying to to win the division. They're right on the doorstep of the Mets there. Um, and the Giants took two or three, and they swept the Phillies earlier this month at home. So, you know, they've, they've been playing you know pretty well, even though the offense hasn't been breaking out. They've been running a tighter ship. And Carlos Rodon came out with the blister and the crack nail, but uh, seemed to be okay. 
so now it's just getting him through the remainder of his starts healthy, and then I'm sure he'll opt out of his contract, and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Uh, real quick before we move on from, from Belt completely, when he was doing his moonlining as the broadcaster, uh, they asked him point blank, they said, uh, is this something you would want to do? Uh, would you want to be a broadcaster, color commentator? And he said, well, yeah, it seems like a lot of fun, uh, but I've been thinking a lot about fishing. And it, it got kind of quiet and then like they moved on. But it was it was very like a stark like and I, I was really jealous. As, Man, I wish I were a 30 something millionaire who could just look in my future and think about fishing. That sounds rad. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I know he's got a few McLarens. So I'm, I'm wondering, uh, he, he probably <laughs> does not have like the ricketyest, leakiest. He's probably got a nice boat. I'm guessing his boat is very nice. It's he is not- the captain. It, he's the captain. He's not. He's not out there in some dinghy. He's got. Uh, yeah. He's got. He's got a nice boat. No, but uh, Carlos Rodon to me is fascinating because I feel like the Giants have two things can be true. The Giants can have good luck and good scouting where they can go out and they can get Alex Cobb and say we think there's something here and they're right. And they go out and they get Anthony Disclafani the first time, Kevin Gossman, Alex Wood, and say yeah, I think we can get production run prevention out of them and they're right. So they could do that again. At the same time, you, you're you used to the idea of here's Logan Webb, here's Carlos Rodon, good luck. And if they had a competent bullpen, a competent lineup, that would be a heck of a head start against the rest of the league. And you have to almost pair Logan Webb with someone like Rodon. And it's he makes a lot of sense because you've seen him. He's excellent. He fits a lot of what the Giants want to do, keeping the ball in the ballpark, missing bats. Uh, but the length that he's going to get is seems like the kind of contract length that will scare the jeepers out of the Giants. And so I'm almost looking at Jacob deGrom as someone who would square that circle of of being an ace adjacent ace-like pitcher. Uh, At the same time, he's 35 somehow. And so he's not going to have a five, six-year deal uh, with his injury history. So maybe that's where the Giants go. I don't think Adam Wainwright or Clayton Kershaw will ever sign away from their current teams. Um, So I'm wondering about that. Justin Verlander, someone that they can really just give that Max Scherzer kind of contract where here's 30 million for three years, as opposed to Carlos Rodon getting 26 million for five years. But uh, maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah, that's a great call. I mean, if if we assume that they stick to uh, what they've done, which is not give out contracts of longer than three years to starting pitchers, um, then that would be the way they would go. And, um, you know, if you go back to when Farhan was with the Dodgers, whether it was Rich Hill comes to mind as one guy, yeah. you know, got a three, three-year contract. Scott Casimir, you know, got a three-year mm. contract. And, and and those guys weren't always very good at the end of their contracts, but, um, Brandon but McCarthy. they were done with them after. Brandon McCarthy, good call. So, I mean, that's kind of been the template. It's been established and it's been reestablished in San Francisco. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really have no idea what the market would be for Jacob deGrom, but I'm guessing that... Um, it's not, uh, you don't have to go very far to dream that he could be someone who could just be a dominant, dominant pitcher for you. I'm just not sure how many starts you could imagine you'd get out of him. So it'd be a big risk, but it would be a big, big risk on a short term. And we know the Giants are going to have money to spend in the short term. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Anthony DiSclefani is the only person that they've committed money to uh, in 2025, right? Or 20... No, I think yeah, so. no. I guess it'll be w- Wilmer now, Wilmer and uh, and Di Slafani. So you know they really are open uh, in terms of their um, payroll long term. 
Um, so they really could do anything. They could do short term, they could do long term, but we know they like to do short term, especially with pitchers. Yeah, I just it, and I don't blame them. Like, look, this is you don't have to be a, a you don't have to go back too far to see the cautionary tales. Whether it's uh, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarger, you go back to you know Matt Cain's extension after 2012. He didn't give the Giants a whole lot of run prevention for that money. Uh, it's pitchers are pitchers, and that is a shorthand way of saying that they're gonna break your heart and steal your money. So I. I don't I don't blame them for that. And I really like the idea of these short term targeted strikes with the guy. That's how they got Carlos Rodon in the first place. They bought the high ceiling and they didn't worry so much about the low floor and they were rewarded. And I can see them going back to that with Jacob deGrom and, uh, you know, maybe if if. Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals got in a fight, someone like Adam Wainwright. Uh, but at the same time, what good is that payroll room going to do you if you don't kind of just not worry about some of those mistakes and say, I ah, will figure it out back, you know, when, when that happens, that happens. That's the old way of looking at free agency. And it wasn't the worst way because you get that current production. You're, you're in that success cycle right away and you'll figure it out. And uh, maybe if that pitcher is bad at the end of his contract, maybe he'll still be Barry Zito and, and uh, dominating the Cardinals and the Tigers surprisingly, like maybe you'll get something out of it, but not worry about that contract uh, toward the end of it. Yeah, it's it's especially when you're in the NL West and you know how good the Dodgers are and maybe you don't try to catch the Dodgers next year, but you know, to be a wild card, you're probably going to have to finish uh at, at at least third obviously in your in your division. I guess there are permutations in which you could finish fourth, especially since the schedule is going to be balanced out a little bit more. Um so the wins and losses won't be so um you know, I guess sort of uh, stuck in, in one division. Um, but yeah, you, you probably need to finish third in the NLS to be a playoff team, I'd imagine, and, and co- more comfortably second. So um, the Padres are still good, and uh, they've got a lot of pieces that are very talented that are going to be there next year. Uh, the Diamondbacks are an ascendant team. I mean, yeah. they've got a really good uh, core of, of players, and, and they're coming up to the big leagues now. Zach Gallen is going to be on my Cy Young ballot somewhere. Um, Merrill Kelly is someone the Giants just haven't been able to touch and and if they can find a little more pitching uh you know they, that could be a 90 win team next year so um i i think that uh you know there i guess this is all uh, a way to say that the giants are going to have to you know find a way to add a lot more wins real quick next year i think if they want to um you know be considered a contending team i think a helpful way for the indefinite future to to look at the giants and their their fortunes and their uh future hopes of success is just to ignore the dodgers existence and that might seem antithetical to Giants fans and it might uh, be feel like you're capitulating or something like that. But it just forget the Dodgers exist and focus on winning 95 games. And maybe the Dodgers will, you know, this guy gets hurt. This guy underproduces. You've seen it. I mean, Cody Bellinger was an MVP and now he's uh, someone that you have to hide in the lineup. Stuff happens. So don't worry about the Dodgers in the top of the NL West. Just look at 95 wins with a, a ceiling of 100, maybe if everything goes right and build your roster, just the best danged roster you can build. And I think that's sort of what they're doing. I don't think you can worry about the Dodgers. It's uh, the big red machine, but with modern technology, I, they're just they're freaky good, and you have to forget about them. It's just uh, build the best darn team you can you can build. Yeah, and and you know they're going to have to layer in uh, obviously the strategic uh, 
elements, which includes, you know, the rule changes. And uh, you wrote mm-hmm. about that and which giants are going to be affected most by uh, some of the, the rule changes, including the pitch clock. And um, as you dug into this, uh, what, what do you think surprised you the most? It, what surprised me, I knew that that uh, teams were getting better at stealing bases. And I knew that the Giants were getting more efficient at stealing bases. Uh, what I didn't appreciate was how much better and how the line has just gone straight up. I, I included a chart in my article and it's not, uh, the correlation is just the stolen base success rate just goes whoop for the league and the Giants are the last two seasons their best overall year since moving to San Francisco in terms of success and now you have a limit on pickoff moves now you have a a bigger bases which are going to help a little bit but you see how close some of those uh, plays are at second base on stolen bases it's a bang bang thing and if you're adding a couple inches on either side that's not a small difference so I wonder if the Giants are really going to dig into this and almost treat it like a one of Farhan's fantasy football teams and and think, okay, this is our angle. This is how we're going to, this is my version of not drafting a kicker. This is my version of yeah, how am I going to get more runs? Maybe by stealing more. We have the coaching. Uh, the Giants are doing all this without a ton of burners. They're a pretty slow team still. It's not like Tyro Estrada is a burner. He's just faster than average. Austin Slater, faster than average. Get a bunch of faster than average, not necessarily burners, and let them run wild. I don't know. That's why I think maybe Trey Turner could be the guy. Yeah, and you know Austin Slater is a great example. He's got 42 stolen bases in his career. He's been caught four times, and wow. I think I think on two of those times uh, were, were the pop off the bag type ones. Uh, and, and one of the reasons you don't see uh, you see a higher percentage than ever is because no one does the hit and run anymore. And busted hit and runs were were so many uh, made up so many of the caught stealings. I think mm. Will Clark had one year where he was Good just point. abysmal. I mean, I, now I ha- now I have to stop and look it up because it was. I, I dear listener, you need to know this. You Will have Clark, mentioned this, but it's funny as heck, and I, I implore you to do it again. In 1987, a 23-year-old Will Clark stole five bases and was caught 17 times. <laughs> he will never see that again because it's a math equation. They have it down now, and now you add in some some new numbers, and the bases are a little bit bigger, and the pickoff throws are limited. And, you know, it, it's going to limit how many times pitchers want to burn that first pickoff move because they don't want to get in the, the, the era where – you know, they've used them both because then it'll be easy for the runner to take off and get the biggest jump ever. And and one other thing that uh, that players were worried about or concerned about was, you know, when the pitch clock comes down to zero, um, you know, and gets right down to the end, runners will be able to time that too if they don't think that the pitcher is going to throw over or has used their their moves, moves already. So they'll have, you know, it'll be even easier for them to get a bigger jump. And, you know, that, that base will be sticking out four inches closer, which, you know, we've seen how close the bang-bang plays are often at second base. So that's that will be meaningful, and it will be something that they're going to layer into that math equation. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that you're going to see the Giants try to mine that advantage as best they can. And and maybe if they have you know a little more uh, athleticism uh, and and more you know Tyro Estrada's on the roster, then then that's it's a it's something they'll be able to they'll be able to find maybe a bigger vein, I guess, to mine. Yeah, and I'm wondering, like I look at someone like Kevin Kiermaier, right? And he's got, uh, what does he have? A 281 on base percentage uh, this season, a 308 for his career. He is not, uh, he is not a plus offensive player. He's he's not even an average offensive player, but he has a stellar gold glove defense in center and he can run a little bit. Now the Rays aren't running him wild. He has 112 career stolen bases, but the Giants could get a guy like that 
coach him up and have him run more wild than he's run in his career. I'm not saying that's what they will do. I just, I can sort of see how that would be a plausible angle, especially with the pitch clock, the pickoff throw uh, limit. I just wonder if this team's going to look wildly different from this season. And then I start thinking, well, they, they re-signed Wilmer Flores. I'm overthinking it again. So maybe they're not going to do that, but I think it's a one way they could go. I tell you what, though, this sort of marries the, our current conversation with our conversation from 15 minutes ago, because what if they say, you know what? The answer is Jock Peterson and Brandon Belt, because left-handed hitters are more valuable without the shift. And we want lots yes. of them now. I mean, is that going to be a way that they could go? It makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, but you Jock's actually been better this year against the shift. Uh, I don't, I think that's a sample size quirk. I think overall uh, he's going to be affected by the shift uh, uh, limitations positively. But um, I, as of this year, he's not being affected by it. I, I don't know. I wonder if the Giants are going to worry about the shift as much uh, when it comes to adding hitters, if they're going to think about, okay, well now we can load up on left-handed hitters. I don't know. That is an interesting question. What do you think? I think that I'm an idiot because I had Brandon Bell all to myself in the hallway, and I should have asked him what he thought about the dang shift going uh, going away. And I and I didn't. I didn't ask him. And he either would have given me an answer that was thoughtful or very funny or probably both. And I regret not asking him that question. And that's a dude who has been affected by the shift all year. Um, but Big he, time. I mean, but he also bunts his way on. Uh, maybe it's small ball for Brandon Bell. Maybe he'll bunt and steal more. I don't know. I'm for it. Yeah, he might. But uh, one one other quick uh, uh, plug uh, for, for something that popped up on our site since we had our last podcast. Um, when I did talk to Giants chairman Greg Johnson, who was on the competition committee, uh, one of the 11 people on that committee, uh, obviously talked about the rule changes and, and, and how he and Austin Slater kind of, you know, were able to to form their own little mini caucus, I guess, to bounce ideas off each other. Uh, neat little collaboration that they had going. Um, I also snuck in a couple questions about things like, oh, the payroll and how the season went and <laughs> and Farhan Zaidi's contract uh, that we know of expiring after next season. And uh, so, um, yeah, he was like, I knew you'd do that. Any reporter <laughs> would. And so I said, well, I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that that uh, you understand that. So he, he gave me some thoughtful answers on that. And that is up on our site as well. Go read The Athletic. Uh, I, I, I personally am a subscriber. I can't recommend it enough. And I, I'm wearing Chanel perfume right now. <laughs> All right. This has been episode 213 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Monday. Uh, we believe there's going to be some travel that might make it difficult. But uh, so just so you know, if you're a regular listener, there are some days where we realize that uh, flights get in the way or this happens, that happens. So uh, bear with us, but we should be back on Monday and we should uh, let you know what the Giants did against the, uh, let me see who they're playing. Oh gosh, the Dodgers? Really? (laughs) Son of a biscuit. All right, well, we'll be back on Monday and we'll see what happened there. See you then.